Welcome to the Washington Weekly, a ministry of Washington Baptist Church. This podcast is devoted to getting you into God's Word and equipping you to serve. I'm your host, Trent Henson, Associate Pastor. Today, I'll talk about the Bible verse that played a role in the foundation of the Wycliffe Bible Translation Company. I'll also interview another member of Washington so you can meet some more of our people and learn more about our ministries. Each week, I talk about specific Bible verses that impacted people or situations. My aim is to show the transforming power of God's Word. Today, I'll talk about the Bible verse that gave Cameron Townsend the confidence he needed to create a Bible translation company. Cameron Townsend was born in California in 1896. At age 21, he and a friend went to Guatemala to sell Spanish Bibles. Townsend was surprised to find that 60% of the people there didn't speak Spanish. The tribe he was near spoke Kachikel. When Townsend offered one of these men a Bible in Spanish, he asked for one in his own language. Townsend didn't have one. In fact, the Bible had never been translated into their language. When the man heard this, he responded by saying, If your God is so great, why can't he speak my language? At that moment, Townsend knew these people needed the Bible in their own language, and he felt that God had called him there to be the one to make that happen. Two years later, in 1919, Townsend began missionary and translation work among the Kachikel there in Guatemala, and the Kachikel New Testament was completed in 1929. During his time there, Townsend also started an elementary school, a Bible school for preachers, and an orphanage. After success in Guatemala, Townsend wanted to reach other people who needed language development. He soon learned that there were at least 50 tribes in Mexico without a Bible, and some of these tribes were very large. He asked the Mexican government for permission to bring in missionary translators, but he was turned down. After a while, he and his team would be allowed in on one condition, that they would not preach nor translate. There in a hotel room, In Monterey, Mexico, in 1933, the missionaries turned to Scripture for encouragement. They came upon Exodus chapter 23, verse 20, which says, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Let me share the context of this verse with you. God has just miraculously delivered the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. In this passage, God is telling the Israelites that He has a plan for them. He will lead them into the land that He had promised Abraham many years earlier. In the following verses, God tells them to seek Him, to obey Him, as He leads them into their promised land. After reading this verse, Townsend said, Praise the Lord. We felt like shouting after reading that verse. It seemed as though God Himself was speaking to us from heaven. The Lord has brought us this far, and He will carry us on. End quote. Townsend felt like God was saying that He would make a way for their entry into Mexico to do His work. All Townsend had to do was seek God's guidance and take steps of obedience as God prepared the way. Townsend decided that he and his group would go into Mexico and that they would do what they could do for now, and God would take care of the rest. After talking with government officials, the group was allowed to do a study 
on rural education systems. Townsend published articles explaining his findings, which greatly impressed the officials. This provided them the opportunity and support they needed. In 1934, Townsend founded a linguistic training program for the purpose of promoting Bible translation among minority language groups. He first named it the Summer Institute of Linguistics. This way, they could enter Mexico as linguists rather than missionaries. The Mexican government approved this because they were providing a practical service for the people. Before long, the program was renamed Camp Wycliffe in honor of John Wycliffe, the first person to translate the Bible into English. Camp Wycliffe would later become Wycliffe Bible Translators. Wycliffe Bible Translators has translated scripture into hundreds of languages, spreading God's word to people all over the world. Today, it includes more than 4,000 members working in more than 35 countries with 750 different languages. When Townsend retired at age 75, he said, quote, Out there are 2,000 tribes who still don't have the Bible. I believe God is going to help us reach them all. Don't you? End quote. Townsend kept his passion for God's Word until the very end. He died in 1982 at age 85. Cameron Townsend had the following inscription carved on his tombstone in his own handwriting. It says, quote, Dear ones, by love serve one another. Finish the task. Translate the scriptures into every language. End quote. Just remember, Exodus 23.20 provided Townsend the encouragement he needed to trust God's plan. I hope this encourages you to do what you can do to reach the lost with the Word of God. Today, my guest is Mike Smith. Thank you, Mike, for joining me. It's good to be here, Trent. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, tell me about you and your family. Well, Trent, uh, my wife and I um, met in high school, and we married uh, sometime later, and we've lived in Lyman, uh, the Lyman area since 1973. We have one son, three grandchildren. They live uh, all out of the area, and we've been members here at Washington Baptist Church now for three years. Well, I've enjoyed getting to know you and your wife, Sybil. Uh, I think you're a wonderful fit here for Washington because I know you, you, both of you bring a lot to the table with your knowledge of the Bible and your gifts and talents. So tell us what led you to Washington. Okay, uh, we became aware of Washington Baptist Church uh, through actually through a discipleship study program called uh, Experiencing God with Joe Price. And it's interesting, uh, as we started visiting Washington, we found something that uh, related clearly to our childhood. My wife and I both grew up in a Baptist church on a mill hill. Of course, if you're, some of your folks don't know what a mill hill is, you feel free to call Trent. He can, he can, <laughs> he can clue you in there, okay? Yes. Uh, and at that time, uh, the Baptist church set the plumb line for the entire community. And after we uh, studied the uh, experience in God and we started visiting the church several times, we were blessed to find that the church 
here, Washington Baptist Church is a church that still has a biblical plumb line. We were excited about that. We also appreciate the Baptist hymnal still setting the tone for the music. But most importantly, Trent, uh, we were and, and are still blessed every Sunday and every Wednesday to find a pulpit who honors unapolog unapologetically the preaching of the truth, the literal word of God. That is a great blessing. Those are the reasons we are here. That's awesome. Well, amen to that. Um, that's the kind of my story as well coming to Washington um, is I love the traditional kind of establishment here with the hymnals and I love the theology in those hymns and um, I can kind of get my more contemporary music on the radio and I, li I like to go to those those hymnals in church and then of course Drew's preaching and um, and, that, and that's what I try to do myself when I'm there is to stay in the word and let the word speak for itself. Yeah. Uh, well tell us how you're involved here at Washington. Well occasionally Trent I do teach a Sunday school lesson uh, occasionally, my wife and I work uh, in the Saturday food ministry, mm -hmm. but starting Wednesday, September the 15th, from 6.30 to 8 p.m., we'll uh, be leading a discipleship study called The Truth Project. Yes, and I'm looking forward to The Truth Project. Can you tell us a little bit maybe about your background with The Truth Project, your history there? Uh, sure, that's... Um, that's a God thing. That's a fascinating story. Back in uh, late 2005, Focus on the Family requested prayer for a new program they were developing. They were planning to launch it in 2006. Our hearts were, were really touched, and we answered the call to pray. After a few months, we were given the opportunity to participate in the launch of the Truth Project. The inaugural launch... Uh, Trent uh, was for facilitators, and it occurred in May 2006 at what was known then as the Pink Cathedral in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. I think that has been renamed to Calvary Church now, and uh, whether it still exists is that, uh, I'm not sure. But since it was something that was close to us, we lived in Lyman and the training was going to occur in Charlotte, mm -hmm. um, and we believed in its mission, we set aside the time to attend, uh, not really fully understanding what all this involved. So upon completion, we were instructed, com upon completion of the training, we were instructed to commit to six weeks of prayer before mentioning the program to anyone. Mm -hmm. We were very clearly told, you go home, you don't tell anyone about the, the study, but you have a season of prayer for six weeks that God would prepare the hearts of the folks who were ready to get involved in a study like this. Then the fall then of 2006, we launched the first offering of the Truth Project, as far as I know, in South Carolina, because we were also instructed in our training that uh, when we started our first project to register with Focus on the Family's website. And as far as I know, we were the first uh, Truth Project training program uh, in the state of South Carolina. 
we met at uh, the old Allen Bennett Hospital in okay. Greer. Yes. And that was a blessing, too, because they have the... I don't know if you've ever been in... Well, it doesn't exist now, but... Yes, I was you, born there, Oh, um, and I have had a surgery there. Oh, I was in high school, so okay. yes, I know about Alan Bennett. All right, great. What about the auditorium? <laughs> Did you ever happen to go into the auditorium? No, I didn't. Hey, we love that for the first presentation of the Truth Project because it would seat 35 to 40 people. They had a screen that was at least 10 by 10, if not 12 by 12, okay. and uh, had tables and chairs. Folks could get comfortable. So usually we would have between 20 and 35 people uh, there uh, at the old Allen Bennett Hospital. Mm -hmm. Well, after the Allen Bennett facility closed, we were given the opportunity to continue the training in uh, the training room at the cottages. And by this time, churches were sending folks to learn to become facilitators for their churches. Then after about four or five years, Many churches had their own facilitators, and uh, I, as far as I know, some of those churches are still offering the Truth Project on a regular basis today. And uh, so that's how everything began, and it most definitely was a, a, a God thing, because you're told, okay, you got the training, but don't say a word until you've prayed for six weeks. There's something there, yes, right. It's letting the Spirit lead, letting God do His work. Absolutely, and and it's interesting how that did work because I remember specifically one time back in uh, mid two thousand six after we finished praying, uh, we were still told not to mention it, but to be aware, be sensitive when you're out in the community. I was having my car repaired, sitting in the uh, waiting room for the place of repairing my car. Someone else brought their car in and just happened to sit down beside me. Of course, just happened, you know. There's yes, no, that's no right. such that's, thing. Yes, that. that's right. Uh, and in a conversation, uh, he said something like, boy, you know, this place is in a mess, isn't it? Okay, what is that? That's a, that's a clue. Yeah. And so I sprung off of that with him. He ended up coming to the Truth Project the first time, and then he brought some other folks with him later on. So yeah, that's, that's how... You know, God can God can handle it. You know, that's we, right. sometimes we just need to get out of the way. That's right. He can do more than we can do. <laughs> and I love that. So you've been with this from the very beginning, uh, and even starting in our state, really. So that's that's incredible. Um, so can you tell us a little more about what the Truth Project is? What what you learn in this course? Oh, sure. Uh, the Truth Project is a DVD driven study, twelve weeks, and. Um, I'll go over maybe three or four of the topics. Okay. Uh, the first thing we study, the first lesson is what is truth? And I think you would realize that that should be the first thing studied. Once we understand what truth is, that gives us a foundation to apply it to the rest of our areas of our lives and our society. So we'll look at things like uh, why is truth important? Uh, is truth important in our personal lives? And then today, especially, whose truth? You know, you're out in the community, you get involved in a conversation with somebody and you could hear something like, well, now that's all right for you to believe that, but you know that this is what I believe is true. That's right, your truth and my truth. Exactly. So we'll cover that first lesson. (laughs) 
Another uh, lesson uh, study that we'll have together is history. Whose story? And that is very relevant today because of the rewriting of history. Mm-hmm. Now, back in 2006, when the Truth Project started, people were talking a little bit about rewriting history. But, hey, man, today they want to cancel history. That's right. That's right. And uh, Amen to that. George Orwell has a comment, has a quote, and I'm, I'll quote him about history. He says, he who controls the past controls the future, mm. end quote. Mm. And then uh, Karl Marx, this is a quote from him about history. Okay. A people without a heritage are easily persuaded, mm. end quote. So that's one of the studies. Another one is we'll study the state, the government. Whose law is it? We'll look at things like can the government steal? Can the government steal from you? Uh, We'll look at things like does the government have any responsibility to act ethically and morally in the decisions they make about the citizens? Mm. And then the 12th study is called community and involvement. Now, Trent, my experience has been by the time we get to that point, if everyone stays and goes through all these studies, then they've had some kind of emotional experience. Because remember, we're talking about truth. And we're going to dig into truth and how it relates to us and how we should relate to it. We have had folks, some of them I get a little angry because they've been challenged big time. Mm-hmm. Some uh, will be threatened. Some will be confused. And it's not unusual by the time we get to the conclusion that we have seen tears mm. in the study. Okay. This last study even nails it harder. This study is not for the faint of heart. If you want us to talk about truth, you need to be ready to talk about Very truth. Good. In this last study, we'll look at community involvement. God cares, do I? Okay. And that just that that's that, right. and that really goes to the depth of our souls. Mm-hmm. And then the last comment I'll make, mention about the Truth Project is without truth. There is only manipulation. Mm. Well, I'm looking forward to this course. So I hope people will sign up. I know some have signed up already on the discipleship board to take that. So um, I think that is an awesome course. And I love your background in it, that you're fully invested in this and have been for years. So I appreciate you offering that course uh, starting in just a couple of weeks, uh, Wednesday evening, September 15th. It'll begin. So Thank you for all that you do for our church, you and your wife, um, and, and using your, your teaching abilities for the glory of God. Of course, of course. Well, what do you think is the best thing about Washington Baptist Church? Okay, my wife and I talked about that when you first started talking with me about uh, doing this, and uh, we came up with two. Is, okay. Is it okay? I, I I'll allow two? it. I'll allow it. <laughs> all right. Of course, first is the Word of God in all activities is held up the absolute truth and foundation of life 
at Washington Baptist Church. Okay? Yeah. Okay. That's the first thing I look for in any any church or any activity that I'm going to get involved in. And the second thing we have learned over the three years we've been here is opportunities to build Christian meaningful relationships are readily available here at Washington Baptist Church. Those are great answers. Let's say amen to that. Um, so I, I really do appreciate your time today and sharing these answers and um, your, your passion for God's Word. I can just tell that about uh, you and your wife, that y'all are truly grounded in God's Word. And that's what it means to be the church. It certainly does. Thank you so much, Trent. Yes, thank you for your time. Mike Smith mentioned he'll be leading the Truth Project on Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. This 12-week course will begin Wednesday, September 15th. They'll meet in room 310. This is one of many discipleship classes that we'll be offering in September. We'll also be offering classes on Experiencing God, Financial Peace University, Heaven, and a Ladies Bible Study on Elijah. If you'd like to participate in one of these classes, there are sign-up sheets on the discipleship board outside the children's area. If you'd like more information about our courses, please contact me, Trent Henson, or call the church office. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Washington Weekly. Washington Baptist Church is located at 3500 North Highway 14 in Greer, South Carolina. Check us out online at WashingtonBaptist.org. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast as you get into God's Word and prepare to serve.